This is a Locker Room Production. And we are back again. It's another Locker Room production. It's June 2nd, 2021. We're live again. You're rocking with the best. Shout out to Blue Bucks Clan for the song Wrist. They are, you know, Blue Bucks Clan, best rappers out there in the game today. Or top five, arguably, in mine. You know, don't go with my opinion on just hip-hop all the way. But we're back again. It's keeping it 200. We're now in... NBA only, no WWE, no AEW, no nothing. We're just talking about NBA today. And it's so much stuff that's happened in the last two days. And I feel like every time I don't come on and do a podcast every day, it feels like I'm adding more workload. And thank goodness Monday was just two games. Last night we had three games. Tonight, four NBA games. Big stories all throughout the NBA, and of course, before we get into any of that, we got to just talk about the Boston Celtics. It's, you know, now been a confirmed Danny Ainge has stepped down as the Boston Celtics um, president of basketball operations, general manager. Brad Stevens will now take over all day-to-day operations meaning that he has stepped down as an NBA head coach. This was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski at Woj ESPN on Twitter. If you want to go check that out, if you don't believe anything I've said, cool. Um, But let's just talk about this here. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that Brad Stevens has lost interest of being a head coach and actually lost interest after being a head coach during the NBA's bubble when the Boston Celtics – lost to the Miami Heat last year in the bubble. So, of course, Brad Stevens in Boston this year, they were not they did not have the year that Boston fans would have wanted. They finished 7th in the East. They were a 500 team or whatever 500 is to NBA fans nowadays. Because I know a lot of NBA fans, you know, are not, you know, t- uh, particularly happy with some records. Boston was 36 and 36. They were 500. A lot of people, you know, believe Boston really wasn't a 500 team. Boston did win one playoff game against the Brooklyn Nets. They lost in five in the first round. And this was the first time, Brook- uh, this first time, you know, Boston has lost in five in a first, um, or five in a round since. Kyrie Irving was last a Boston Celtic, um, I believe, two years ago. So Boston, you know, now they're at the – Boston's basically starting their offseason way earlier than anybody else has if we're going to keep it 200 because they already now found themselves a new president of basketball operations and a new GM, which I don't think that's going to – I don't think Brad Stevens is going to be – what Celtics fans want if he's not making the big trades and stuff, because how Danny Ainge was perceived as the Boston Celtics GM was he never made big trades. He was very selfish with draft picks and he did not, you know, and the big thing that cost him this year, instead of trading Marcus smart for Aaron Gordon, which would made sense, they decided to trade less and get Evan Fournier, which, has proven to be a failure more than actually a success. And the Boston Celtics, you know, they don't have Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was injured. So now this team really needs to build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Kimball Walker, you know, he is, you know, a lot of people believe Kimball Walker will be traded this offseason. I actually can't, you know, say if you know, I, I actually do believe that he will be traded. I do believe Kimball Walker will be traded. 
because I don't see a I don't see a reason to keep Kemba on this team. He he made 30, 30 some million last year. You know, let's see how much he's going to be making in the 2022-2023 NBA season next year because because that's going to be the real big test about this here. Let's see. Yeah, Kemba's going to be making 37 million next year. So, if I'm Boston, there's no reason to keep Kemba. It, it, there's really no reason. You need to build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And they need to start going out and getting some more talent. Now, as far as free agents this year, they're going to have a lot of free agents. You know, they're not, you know, and they do have some cap holds. They've got Marcus Smart. They could, you know, if they would like to keep him or they might renounce his rights. They've got Tristan Thompson um, that they could, you know, but I, I don't know about that. They do have a lot of trade exceptions and they're not in no luxury tax hold, which is a very good thing for Boston. And, you know, so to me, Boston right now, you know, what they need to go do, they need to go out and actually sign a free agent. They need to actually not be cheap and go out and actually sign a free agent. You know, what is the 2021-2022 NBA free agency class looking like? You know, right now you're going to have Chris Paul. He's going to be a free agent. But, you know, more than likely would he want to stay with Phoenix or, you know, would he actually like to go to Boston, you know? And it's also going to be a question of how much does an NBA team want to pay Chris Paul? Chris Paul, by the way, this year is making $39 million. You're probably wondering, well, why is his contract so heavy? Blame the Houston Rockets for that one. Um, Kawhi Leonard is going to be a free agent, but more than likely, if the Clippers don't get bounced in the first round, I don't see Kawhi Leonard going to another team. You've got Mike Conley. You've got Kyle Lowry. DeMar DeRozan, I would probably say no to because DeMar DeRozan, unless unless you can get DeMar DeRozan for a very cheap price, then I would say no to that because, you know, it, then that would be another Evan Fournier de- bad decision. And then, of course, you know, to me, Boston really does need a point guard, though. They're going to have to go replace Kemba Walker, you know, and yes, you can trade Kemba Walker, you know, but – a lot of NBA teams are not going to want to pay Kimball Walker $39 million and they're going to want more than just Kimball Walker. So maybe a first round pick, maybe another player might be able to help, but for Boston, you know, they really do need a point guard that they can go out and make sure it's better than what they've got with Kimball right now. You know, I've said Chris Paul, I've said Mike, Con- Mike Conley could actually be a good help, but that's going to be on, you know, what he decides he wants to do in Utah. The only person that I can really say right now that is a point guard that is actually going to be available, and everyone knows it, is Kyle Lowry because he's not coming back to Toronto, more than likely. Um, and, of course, Masai Ujiri in Toronto, there's no guarantee if he even be back as a GM. You've got Dennis Schroeder. He's going to be a free agent, and the way he's been playing, I would not want to go throw what he has wanted because I believe Dennis Schroeder was asking for a lot of money and Dennis Schroeder has not been playing to that level of a lot of money that he wants. Derek Rose could definitely be a big help asset. However, you know, again, that's going to be a big question. And then of course you've got Spencer Dimwittle who has a player option. Um, and, you know, I believe Den Witter now is with the Rockets because he was traded. You know, I, I'm thinking he is a Rocket because he's not a Pacer. I know that for sure. I'm just making sure. Um, sorry for the dead air, people. And, yeah, yeah, he, oh, yeah, he actually is still a, a Brooklyn Nets. That's actually rare. It's actually pretty awesome. But, in my opinion, I think that if I'm Spencer Dimwittle and you're Brooklyn and – and you never know with Brooklyn. I, I I do know Spencer Dinwiddle was injured, so that's why I did not know if he was traded. I know Karis LeVert was traded and everything like that. But if I'm Spencer Dinwiddle and you have a player option, and his player option is only for $11 million, I would try to opt out of that and go to Boston. Boston might want to pay him. And Spencer Dinwiddle, before his injury – you know, and last year you can even look back when he, you know he was playing um, guard when Kyrie was injured. Dimwitto really can actually be a, a really solid contributor. He really can be. 
So I would actually not be upset with this. You know, I think Spencer Dinwiddle in Boston would actually make a lot of sense. Kyle Lowry is 35. He's going to be 36. The problem is right now with Boston is Kimball Walker, you know, is is a little bit more younger. And I don't know if Boston wants to throw a lot of money at Lowry if they're getting ready to just get rid of Kimba. Uh, Kimba is going to be 32 next year. Kyle Lowry is going to be 36 next year. So that is tough to, to ask, you know, but I could definitely see Spencer Dimwiddle. That would probably be the best option for Boston if they can go ahead. And, but that's if Dimwiddle decides to opt out of his player option. Dimwiddle might not want to opt out of his player option if Brooklyn wins the championship this year or Brooklyn gets past Milwaukee this year um, in the second round. Other players that, that could actually make some sense if they could trade, I, I would definitely like to see, you know, maybe Lonzo Ball in Boston would actually work. It might work, but it's so hard to say because if you're the New Orleans Pelicans and you're David Griffin, David Griffin, you know, I think has basically made up this assumption. People will not go with it because Pelicans fans are more delusional about Lonzo Ball than any other fan base. There's days they hate him. There's days they love him. There's days where they say, wow, if he makes these threes – Lonzo Ball is the best offensive player that we've got. Uh, no, no, it's Zion and the company and the and the team should build around Zion. If you think the Pelicans need to be building around Lonzo Ball with Zion, then you're automatically an idiot. But Lonzo Ball could actually be a trade asset that that I believe Boston could get because Boston actually has more to offer than anybody else. They could give Kimball Walker, they could give a Marcus Smart and a first-round pick and some trade exceptions, that could actually work. Um, so that could actually be a good sign right there. Um, as far as the rest, I, I don't really see anybody else that that they could really be going after. Another thing that Boston will need to go get is definitely go get a big man um, because Tristan Thompson's not the answer for this team. He's just not going to be the answer for this team. Um, but – there's really not a lot of big men really available in this. Like Cody Zeller, he's going to be um, with um, – he's going to more than likely, you know, be – I don't think he's going to be brought back to Charlotte. Uh, Serge Ibaka's got a player option, but I couldn't see Serge Ibaka leaving the Clippers after one year. He might leave the Clippers after one year. I, I, I don't know, though. It, it, and that all depends if the Clippers do get bounced out of the first round by Dallas as well. Robin Lopez – um, he's an unrestricted free agent. You've got Daniel Tice, who's not going to be coming back to Boston because they traded him. Um, I couldn't see Canner coming back. Couldn't see, um, but you know, I could definitely see someone like Serge Ibaka or Norland's Noel that Boston would actually like to be interested in. And if they're not, then Robin Lopez is probably their, the big answer that they need for this. Um, Cody Zeller is probably the last term option that you want to get. Um, Kelly Olenek, they could definitely go out there and use him. They, they could really use a Kelly Olenek for this Boston Celtics team. Um, Paul Millsap, you know, if you could bring him in on a cheap deal, you've got Montrez Harold, who's on a player option. I don't see Montrez Harold, um, leaving his player option though with the Lakers. So I'm pretty sure that Harold will not be available. He might though. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you're the Celtics, you know, why not go after P.J. Tucker? He's going to, you know, you know, P.J. Tucker, if he's an unrestricted free agent, I say go after um, P.J. Tucker um, after this year with Milwaukee. Um, and that's really the only big names that, that you could really see right now for Boston. And then, of course, you have to wonder, well, what if Boston, you know, wants to maybe get into the draft lottery? That is true. Boston could actually... Boston does have the assets to get into the draft lottery and everything like that as well. So, but it's going to be a question about what's going to happen though with Boston right now heading forward. You know, Boston definitely does need to make a big free agent signing. And I say the best big free agent signings they can get is they need to go out and get a point guard and they need to go out and get themselves a big man that can actually help them because one thing about Boston, they're going to need that help. And this is a team that they need to start building around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. This is not the team that needs to be thinking otherwise. Um, and that's going to be the big things going forward. Uh, another big story. Um, oh, let me see. 
another big story was that the Detroit Pistons and that shocked a lot of NBA people. Detroit Pistons hired um, John Bayline as a senior advisor and player development. Um, of course, if you don't know who John Bayline is, one of the best college basketball coaches, not 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 their Coach K wise, not their Roy Williams wise, but probably second, third tier basketball college basketball wise of. Um, he was a you know the Michigan Wolverines head coach. Bayline, of course, coached only 54 games in his just his first year in the NBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He pissed off a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers players, um, even called them thugs, which Cavaliers players found insulting. But of course, Bayline is being hired as a senior advisor in player development because Bayline, in his stretch, you know, you know what he did become the school's winning his head coach in Michigan. He led them to two national titles in 2013 and 2018, two Big Ten tournament championships in 2017-2018. And, of course, you know, a lot of people believe that – and I guess a lot of NBA people are still probably believing as far as NBA executives, not players, not scouts, but just executives, believe Bayline can be just a good player development coach. And maybe he will be, but – he didn't do good with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and these guys in Cleveland. And this is a very weird one. Um, I really wasn't going to talk about this, but I guess there's a lot of people that wanted me to talk about this here because they want me to ask what's Detroit is Detroit like secretly trying to fire Dwayne Casey. Short answer. No long-term answer. Yes. That's all I could give you right now. Um, Detroit, to me, is just a team that looks like they're going to probably be hiring John Bayline as a head coach if Dwayne Casey and Detroit start off as a slow start. And I hate to break it to Pistons fans, but the Pistons are not going to get better. They're just not – they're not making the effort to rebuild right now, especially if you're hiring someone that's already not got a good relationship with NBA players, you know – I don't think that this is a smart move, and Detroit really has something going. They might actually have a spark if they actually, you know, put in some effort with Jeremy Grant. They put in some, you know, they start building around Sadiq Gay Bay and um, Killian Hayes. But this is a this is a short term answer, you know. To me, it's a no right now. To me, but it could be a long term answer, and I wouldn't be shocked. If the Pistons start out six and sixteen or two and twenty, and the Pistons say, you know, we're firing Dwayne Casey and we're bringing in John Bayline, I could, I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. Um, and that's really all I can say. I, I really do hope John Bayline can actually be the answer for player development for the Pistons, but I don't believe this is an answer that's going to be. I don't bring. I don't believe this is going to bring dividends. If you think this is for Pistons fans, go ahead. But I don't hear a lot of Pistons fans cheering for this, and a lot of NBA people that I know were more shocked about this here. Executives, though, I guess they. I guess they believe everybody deserves a second chance. So, and maybe John Bayline will be better in this position. Um, for John Bayline, all I can say is don't piss off young NBA players. Um, because it's about growth, not trying to stunt growth. Now let's get on to the NBA games. It was officially, we're getting into May 31st, 2021. It was the Memorial Day NBA games. It was officially, what, day nine of the playoffs? All right, great. Remember that. <laughs> um, the... Washington Wizards beat the Philadelphia 76ers on Memorial Day 122-114. Russell Westbrook had a triple-double. He had 19 points. He had 21 rebounds. He had 14 assists. He had two steals. But here's the here's the stat that no one's not saying. He was 3 of 19 from the field. And he was 13 of 16 from the free throw line. 0 of 4 from 3. And... The Wizards did have six players in double figures compared to the, you know, five that Philadelphia had with just three start with four starters and two off the bench. 
Well, actually, yeah, both had six. So, yeah. Um, ben Simmons was the pick. Th- this game really just focused on three storylines at hand. Joel Embiid left the game early. He did not play in the second quarter and beyond. He landed on his tailbone. It was revealed knee soreness. He is out for game five tonight. Um, and then the fourth quarter was about Ben Simmons being four of eight at the free throw line. And then we also, you know, had the Russell Westbrook getting a triple-double on 3 of 19 shooting. And this made NBA fans go weird um, on Twitter because NBA said, well, here's what NBA fans thought. They thought, well, Westbrook won, and that's all that matters, which is true. And then there was also other people that said, but he was 3 of 19, and – Without those free throws, they wouldn't have won, and that's true as well. Um, I could definitely see the Sixers um, – I could definitely see the Wizards trying to hack Ben Simmons again and take him to the free throw line eight times. Ben Simmons has been shooting 25% from the free throw line this series versus the Wizards. Some may say that's worrisome. I don't see that as it because, you know, Doc Rivers has even made this point. I've made this point that Ben Simmons is not going to be a guy that's going to score 40 points. He's not going to be a guy that can score 25. So Ben Simmons, though, outside of the 5 of 11 free throw shooting on 4 of 8 in that fourth quarter, he was 4 of 5, 13 points, 12 rebounds. You know, he also had three assists, you know, and, you know, that's what Ben Simmons can be. Ben Simmons is supposed to be – and Ben Simmons, for everyone that's, you know, talking all this shit about him being terrible at the free throw line – he did keep Russell Westbrook at 3 of 19. Bradley Beal was 9 of 23 shooting. So Bradley Beal had 27. Russell Westbrook had 19. But it wasn't like this this Wizards team shot the ball really good. Ruchi Hakamura, their rookie, was 8 of 12 on 3 of 6 from 3. He had 20 points, 13 rebounds. Good stuff from him. Um, and Philadelphia, you know, Tobias Harris was 8 of 24 with 21 points. Danny Green, 4 of 10, 3 of 8 from 3, 11 points. Um, Seth Curry was 5 of 11, 0 of 4 from 3 with 10 points. You know, and shout out to George Hill for coming off the bench and had 14 for Philadelphia. Tyrese Maxey was 6 of 12 with 15 points. Um, Washington did shoot the ball better from the field, 45% shooting. Philadelphia did shoot the ball better from 3, um, though. They had 12 threes compared to the six uh, compared to the Wizards nine. Wizards were nine of twenty-four. They did shoot the. They did have the higher field goal percentage, but better three-point shooting was Philadelphia. Um, Washington out-rebounded Philadelphia forty-four to thirty-six. Um, well, actually, yeah, it was fifty-seven forty-eight. Sorry, fifty-seven forty-eight and out-rebounding. I was looking at defensive rebounding. And you give credit to the Wizards. The Wizards were able to, you know, hold on and just be able to play better in the fourth quarter. That was what that was what really took this game away. Wizards had more points in the paint, 48 to 40. Second chance points was 17 to 12. Wizards and the Wizards had more fast break points, 21 to 7. This game had a lot of um, lead changes. It had some ties. Wizards were up by 14 at one point, and the Sixers were up by 11 at one point. So really not a lot to say about this here. Um, shout out to Davis, Davis Bertans. He was four of seven with 15 points, three of six. That was way better because I believe Bertans had a game this series where he had zero all around the board in 24 minutes. So, of course, NBA Twitter made fun of that. Robin Robles was eight of 11 with 16 points off the bench. Um, and, you know, this was just a story of, you know, the Wizards. They they got they got a victory. They didn't get blown. They didn't get swept. So the Miami Heat are the only NBA team to be swept in the playoffs this year thus far, and they were the only team in the first round to be swept. Everybody else at least won a game or anything like that. It, and this and this kind of hurts. Um, you know, this kind of does hurt, you know, if you're the Sixers, because the Sixers should have won this game. They really should have. But they didn't have Joel Embiid. And I believe if they had Embiid, they would have won this game. They don't have Embiid for Game 5, but I don't think this is going to be a big issue. I think Philadelphia should win outright definitely by definitely by more than eight points in tonight's game. They're at home. They need to go ahead and pull off the gentleman's sweep and just eliminate Washington. For the Wizards, though, um, 
if you think that this was a successful victory, go ahead. You know, um, but if you think Russell Westbrook is, you know, the best point guard in today's game or is a top five point guard, you're just as dumb as that Washington Wizards fan that tried to run out on the court and try to touch net and then got tackled. So, yeah, that's all I can say for that. Um, and then our second game for the Memorial Day. We had the Jazz go up 3-1 over the Grizzlies, 120-113. I'm not mad about the Grizzlies. I'm really not. I've been so impressed with the Grizzlies, and I'm going to keep being impressed with the Memphis Grizzlies because the Memphis Grizzlies keep making me happy. Yes, they're not winning the games, but it's just because of the experience Utah has. But Memphis is really keeping... Memphis plays defense hard. They really are a very great defensive team. They had Rudy Gobert with just one point in the first half. They let Rudy Gobert have 15 and third. But in the fourth quarter, Memphis really tried to keep this game close. They really did. And they and they made sure that Utah could not – Utah was struggling in that fourth quarter really bad. It, the only thing that killed Grizzlies was in that third quarter when they let Gobert have that 15. And they allowed 41 in the third. But shout out to Donovan Mitchell, 8 of 22, 30 points. He was 2 of 7 from 3, 12 of 13 from the free throw line, 8 assists. Mike Conley hit some big threes in the in the big fourth quarter that made Memphis Grizzlies fans not mad, but they were like, eh, like, I wish, that, wish we had Mike Conley on our side. He had 11 points. He was 3 of 6, 3 of 4 from 3. Bodan Bondanovich, 5 of 10, 3 of 5 from 3, 13 points for the Jazz and Rudy Gobert was 5-9, 7-9 at the line, 8 rebounds, 17 points, 2 blocks. For Memphis, Jarrett Jackson Jr. was 9-18. of 18. He was 3-10 of 10 from 3. He had 21 points, 6 rebounds. Jonas Valanciunas, 14 points, 12 rebounds on 6-10. of 10. Um, Dylan Brooks, 1-7 of 7 from 3, 7-15, 21 points. And John Morant, 8-21, of 1-7 of from 3, 23 points. So, and D'Anthony Melton, shout out to him, because Memphis, Memphis did not have the three-point shooting that they had, but D'Anthony Melton in the fourth quarter had 15, and that's what really sparked Memphis to keep this game close. And Memphis has really been playing every game close, it's just they don't have the defense down the stretch to just close out Utah. And Memphis is literally, uh, to me, Memphis this offseason is going to be a team that if they improve in the offseason with some more signings and trades and can get a couple of more veteran players that can really play and help them down the stretch, Memphis is a team to watch out for because Memphis, you know, everyone's saying, well, Utah's playing better and Utah's, you know, that's true, but that's only because of Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell was not playing good and they didn't have the three-point shooting from Mike Conley and they did not have Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench having 8 of 18 with 24 points, 4 of 9 from 3. We're talking about Utah, and Utah's really showing a lot of signs that this team is not complete to go to the NBA Finals. Draymond Green on Inside the NBA, the Golden State Warriors forward and finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, was saying that Utah's complete, but Utah's not as but is Utah complete as Clippers and the Lakers and others? Utah's not. Utah's showing a lot of cracks, and people are not seeing it. And it'll show in the second round um, whether they play um, because they are the two. They, they, whether they play, more than likely it'll be Denver. But it's starting to show that. Well, no, they're the one seed. So sorry, they'd be playing the four. They'd be playing either the Clippers or Mavericks. Sorry, sorry, people. But they're really starting to show that that they might not have those assets to maybe make it to out of the second round. Because if you play the Clippers or the Mavericks, and we've already seen what the Clippers have let Luka Doncic do in three games, I don't see how Utah can stop that. Because it's going to be tough. It's just going to be tough. Um, Memphis did shoot the ball better from the field throughout the whole game. Um, in the box score, 46 percent to the 45 percent of utah so close shooting but utah had 17 threes and memphis was only able to get 10 threes on the night um shout out to grayson allen brotherhood three of eight two of seven from three he had eight points so grayson allen did help some um free throws you know utah just had more 20 
25 um, of 28 against the 17 of 20. Rebounding, though, was tied at 42. And Memphis did have more assists. So Memphis is Memphis actually had the better game. They just couldn't close it out and didn't have the defense. So it was the third quarter that lost them this game. But um, that's, that was all for that. We go to Tuesday. This was last night. This is day 10 of the NBA playoffs now. And in day 10 of the NBA playoffs, we had the Brooklyn Nets. They went ahead and just beat the Boston Celtics. Everybody's calling this a gentleman's sweep. A gentleman's sweep is if you lose the first three games and they gave you and they give you a victory in game four. This was not a gentleman's sweep. This was just a five game series. So come on. Don't let's not say that. Brooklyn won one twenty three, one oh nine. Um James Harden, ten of um ten of seventeen, four of seven from three, thirty four points. Um Kyrie Irving was nine of fourteen, twenty five points. Uh Kevin Durant, eight of sixteen, twenty four points. So everybody came through for the Brooklyn Big Three. Um, Joe Harris was 3 of 8, 2 of 5 from 3, 10 points. Blake Griffin, 3 of 4 with 6 points. And they had one other player with 10 points, and that was, who was it? Yep, it was Bruce Brown, 4 of 8 with 10 points. Brooklyn shot the ball way better. 51% against Boston's 44%. Brooklyn was 15 of 32 from 3, which was about 47%. Boston was 11 to 40 with 27%. Um, and Bro- Boston did out rebound Brooklyn 44 to 39. And, but Brooklyn had more assists 26 to 18. And this was in points in the paint. Nets won 52 to 50. Second chance points. It was Boston 17 to 14. Fast break points was Brooklyn 17 to Boston's nine. Brooklyn was up by 22 at one point. And, you know, shout out to Jason Tatum. He had 32 points on 12 of 27, 4 of 11 from 3. Marcus Smart, 5 of 17, 14 points, 1 of 10 from 3. Evan Fournier, 8 of 17, 1 of 5 from 3, 18 points. And Romeo Lateford, who actually might be something big for Boston. He was 7 of 12, 3 of 7 from 3 with 17 points. And he did help out. So so that was that was some good stuff right there. So... This is more of a game of just who can Boston keep and who's Boston going to probably be getting rid of. They probably definitely need to be getting rid of Smart and Fournier. But they might got something in Romain and Lightford. And Tristan Thompson was one of four with nine points. So He had four block shots, though. So. Um, this was now Brooklyn's on to the second round. They're going to be playing Milwaukee in the season series between Milwaukee and um, Brooklyn. Milwaukee won two to one. Um, Milwaukee did win those last two games without James Harden, though. So that is going to be something. But Kevin Durant and Giannis, in the last two out of three games that they played in regular season against each other, they were going, they were trying to go for 50 each. Um, Bucks did score more, 121 to 119 over Brooklyn in the season series. Brooklyn did shoot the ball better, 49% to 46%. And Brooklyn did have more threes. They were averaging 17 threes when they played Milwaukee. Milwaukee was averaging 13 when they played Brooklyn. The leading scores in the season series was Giannis with 39 points and 10 rebounds. And Kevin Durant with 35 points on 50% shooting nearly. So, I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction. I've got Brooklyn in six over Milwaukee. So, there you go. Another game on the night. This game was the game of the night. And I talked about how Portland had great defense in the in their last game against Denver. It was at home. They had the defense in the game five. It was everything that you wanted. It was perfect. That was perfect. And then what does Portland do? They go from having the best defensive night to giving up 147 in a loss. They lost 147-140 in double overtime. Damian Lillard, who had 10 points on just one of 10 last game in Game 5 in Portland, came out in the Pepsi Center in the Mile High Arena with 55 points, 17-24, 12 of 17 from 3, 9 of 10 at the free throw line. He had 10 assists. He had 3 blocks. And Austin Rivers... 
afterwards who you know has been made who's been getting made fun of all day literally said this quote here said bro he was not missing for shit one in his face two in his face i'm like what the fuck is this he banked threes and shit in all seriousness it's really fun to guard him but he's as tough as they come no lie and he really is as tough as they come and damian lillard he really was banking threes. He really was doing everything that he could. But Damian Lillard can't carry this team. Not defensively. And he can only carry them so much offensively. CJ McCollum um, basically made the dumb plays of the evening. He was 7 of 22. 2 of 8 from 3. 7 assists. Um, 2 block shots. 18 points. But McCollum in the late stage of the game had his foot out of bounds and cost Portland the game when they were only down by three in the second overtime. When his foot went out of the line, that's when Denver was able to just get to the foul line two more times and make four free throws, and that was it. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, 5-12, 13 points. Um, all of Portland had five players in their – all five of their stars had were in double figures – um, Carmelo Anthony was 3 of 11, 2 of 9 from 3, with 8 points off the bench. Norman Powell, who had a great game last game, was just 5 of 14, 0 of 3 from 3, 13 points. Robert Covington, 5 of 10, 3 of 6, 19 points, 11 rebounds. He was actually a really big help for Portland. He was literally the best Portland player outside of Damian Lillard um, in that game. For Denver, though, um, in the game 6, Michael Porter Jr. came back up. He had 10 of 13. He was 26 points, 3 of 5 from 3, 12 rebounds. You had Aaron Gordon. He looked better, 6 of 11, 14 points. You had um, Nikila Jokic, 14 of 31. Not good shooting, but 38 points. He had 11 rebounds. He had 9 assists. He even had a beautiful passing assist. We're just halfway from on the other side of the baseline. He's throwing a huge pass just right there in the corner to Monte Morris for a three in overtime. And that's just incredible. Um, I said Steph Curry is the MVP because I go by stats. I don't go by win records first. But the Joker is really an MVP. You just see it. You really do see it. He had, he didn't have a great game in game five, but game six he came out and just proved everybody wrong. Monte Morris even came off the bench, seven of 18, four of nine from three, 28 points. This is what I've said about Denver. Denver has the better defense, but, you know, Denver's not shown the defense that they've really had because it's been so tough guarding Damian Lillard. And it is going to keep being harder guarding Damian Lillard because they had one game where they stopped down Damian Lillard, but the game they stopped down Damian Lillard, they only put up 95 points as an offense. So in Michael Malone's case of Denver, and even Draymond Green made this point here on Inside the NBA, which he made a good point. He said, Would, is Michael Malone going to keep doing the same thing that he's doing, or is he going to change it up? To answer the question for Draymond, you could change it up and guard Damian Lillard all you want, but then your offense is going to take a big tumbling for this. You know, Austin Rivers, shout to the Brotherhood for Duke. I love shouting out to the Brotherhood of Duke because Duke just makes me happy every time I see them play now. Five of ten, four of eight from three. He had 18 points. Michael Malone, you know, I, I get it. Austin Rivers could not guard Damian Lillard for shit. He really couldn't. And he'll even tell you that he didn't on Instagram. But Michael Malone has woke up Austin Rivers to where Austin Rivers is actually playing like a very good player. And Austin Rivers might be getting paid in the offseason for that. Um, pe people are like, hey, uh, like, no, no, I'm, I'm really fucking serious. Because we see this happen every time. What happens when an NBA player goes off in the playoffs or something? And he's a free agent right after. He's going to get paid. Austin Rivers might be getting paid by a team if he keeps up with this. People don't really think that, but I'm telling you, if Austin Rivers keeps stepping up and is, you know, shooting 50% from three, he's having 18 points, he's 5 of 10. This is going to be something for this team. They're going to really be something to deal with. For Denver, though, I will say, though, Denver still has a lot of things that they've got to keep fixing. Denver 
yes, their defense has not been playing to the best of their abilities, but Denver's really still a very good defensive team that people are not giving them credit for. And I and I want and I really do want to mention that because Denver, you know, Denver has the better team. They do. But Portland, if they had another scorer that could really help Damian Lillard or had a defense, which I say this all the time, you know, now Denver's looking like they're going to probably win in six. This is more than likely what needs to happen. And if Denver doesn't win in six, they're definitely going to win in seven. Um, for Portland, though, you might be seeing the last of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard as a, as a duo because – as much as people want to say, and people criticize me on an episode where I did say that this is probably going to be it for CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard if they get bounced out of the first round, I'm not joking because Lillard is doing everything that he can, and McCollum is not, and McCollum is not even the second best player or the third best player some nights in this series. It's Robert Covington or Norman Powell. It just so happened to be that McCollum was the third best player in this game. But that took two overtimes to prove it, and that took Robert Covington, you know, stepping up, and that took Norman Powell not being able to shoot the ball well. So, good stuff from Denver right there. Denver did shoot the ball better, 48%. It was Portland that had more threes, 21 of 48 on the 20 of 44 for Denver. Uh, Rebounds, it was 52-45 Denver. Assists, 33-25 Denver. Points in the paint was tied at 42. Second chance points was Denver 23 to 9, which means Denver really got a lot of offensive rebounds that they needed. Fast break points was 17 of 5 for Portland. And yes, this game has still got, you know, a lot of ruffling feathers because, you know, as much as everyone wants to say, well, New York and Atlanta, they're they're the rivalry. No, no, you're not watching Portland and Denver because these two guys, these two teams are trying to kill each other sometimes with the technical fouls and the blatant trying to fight each other and you know so yeah but yeah go go ahead go ahead and say that Atlanta and New York is the one because because Julius Randle and Derrick Rose buried the shit out of Clint Capella saying they don't give a shit what Clint Capella has to say so if they don't give a shit what Clint Capella has to say that's not the big hot rivalry it's Portland Denver and no one's not giving that credit and Portland Denver is having the best games nightly i'm just ashamed that TNT chose to put this game on the NBA TV and they didn't have this game because it was way better than the last game that we're going to get into for tonight of uh, last night. Phoenix beats the Lakers 115-85. I want to go ahead and say this here to Rob Perez because Rob Perez has really shut the fuck up since I've gotten on his ass about this. Kyle Kuzma is 2 for 12. Oh, it's it's all this, it's all that. You know, like it's hard to impress people because he did all this. That's cool and all, but Kyle Kuzma, again, was 6 of 13 with 15 points. Shaquille O'Neal even said this here on Inside the NBA, an actual NBA Hall of Famer, an actual G13 classification, as Shaquille O'Neal, Dr. O'Neal would like to say, and a four-time NBA champion, three with the Lakers, said this here, Kyle Kuzma needs 30. He doesn't need 15, and I agree. You definitely need 30 when Andre Drummond is 2 of 5 with 7 points. When Dennis Schroeder, a man that wanted a lot of money in the offseason, was 0 of 9 with 0 points in 25 minutes. So he's going to become the, what was, who's that, who's that player that, um, I'm snapping because I'm trying to remember his name. Um, cause he, cause everybody made, everybody's making fun that he had the 50-50-100 club the first time. Um, what's his name? Stop. Man, shit. I'll think of his name in a minute, but, you know, he's going to definitely be the new meme where he was, where he had zero points and he had zero everything. Oh, Tony Snell, that's it. Yeah, finally. I remembered it. He's going to be the new Tony Snell, the new Davis Bartons, whatever you want to call him on social media. LeBron James, 9 of 19, 6 of 10 from 3. This was actually LeBron's best shooting game from 3 that no one's not talking about. He had 7 assists. Um, five rebounds, 24 points, but LeBron for everything that he did good, it wasn't like anything was coming back in the center fold for the Lakers. They only had two other players in double figures. That was Kyle Kuzma with six of 13 off the bench, which I don't understand why Frank Vogel did not start Kyle Kuzma. 
he had 15 points and he was six of 13. And he, and the reason I make fun of this here, and, and I'm not, and I'm not shitting on Kyle Kuzma, and I'm not trying. It, well, I am shitting more on Rob Perez, which is in conjunction to Kyle Kuzma's play. But then Kyle Kuzma's one of five from three, and you know he's not doing all, and he's not being the second best score for this Lakers team. It's hard to defend this stuff because the Lakers only put up 85 points. I don't see Rob Perez bringing out tweets saying, well, Kyle Kuzma did all this stuff here. That's cool and all, but Kyle Kuzma has to be the second best player for the Lakers if there's no Anthony Davis to step up. That's just how it's going to have to be. And Anthony Davis did not play this game. will more than likely play game six. He had the um, left groin strain injury that kept him out of this game. And I've said this here about Phoenix. Go back and watch the other podcast on Keeping It 200 on Spotify. But Phoenix, literally, if they don't, if there's no Anthony Davis, Phoenix plays this game so smooth. They play it at their own pace. They don't have to worry about anything. Because I think the Suns know that they can stop all these other these Lakers players. For example, they've they've kept Andre Drummond, you know, literally playing bad. He's two of five. He had seven points and thirteen rebounds. That's good and all, but you need twenty and thirteen. You don't need to be having seven points. And I think the Phoenix Suns love how the Lakers don't use Anthony Davis right, and they they have AD more as a wing guy, and they have Drummond playing the paint. That's not how it should be. You know, if you think that, then that's just bad. Markeith Morris was one of two with four points. You had Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Everyone was telling me how Contavious Caldwell-Pope was going to be this big hope for the Lakers because, you know, oh, the Lakers coming into the playoffs injured, but KCP can help. No, he hasn't helped. So, so stop lying to yourself, people. Um, shout out to um, Thal Horton Tucker. He had 11 points, 11 rebounds, four of nine. Um, Alex Caruso was two of eight, five points. This is just where the Lakers are at. They, they shot the ball under 35%. They were down by 30 at one point in this game. And now let's start talking about Phoenix because I'm tired of talking about the losers. I'm tired. I'm ready to start talking about Phoenix, the team that's that was the underdog, that's not been the favorite in the playoffs in this series versus the Lakers. Let's just talk about Phoenix. Devin Booker, 13 of 23, 30 points, two of six from three, seven rebounds, five assists, and he has steal as well. Chris Paul, whose whose shoulder is just not there, but man. When you got guys like Devin Booker just coming through in the game and you got Cameron Payne coming off the bench, that's something huge. Chris Paul, three of nine, nine points, one of three, four rebounds, six assists. Good stuff right there. Um, Cameron Payne, another good game. Cameron Payne really is, to me, I think Cameron Payne actually might have a, he might be a six-man finalist come next year if he keeps playing this good. He was 7-11, 16 points. You can't be making jokes next year saying, well, this is the bubble. No, this isn't a bubble. This is really Cameron Payne playing really good. And, you know, there was a Twitter quote, and this was from an NBA scout that said, you can see, like, and this was back in 2017 when Cameron Payne was a member of the Bulls. And someone had said that Cameron Payne would never, you know, be a great player, and you can just see it. And Cameron Payne's really proven people wrong because John Morant even, you know, shouted him out on Twitter. And then there's Chicago Bulls fans that are just saying, well, he played like shit. We we never expected that. Home, first first off, your organization is shit. Don't be just saying, well, you know, this player's shit and everything like that. No, your organization's shit. There's a difference. There are great NBA players. It's just you. then you have shitty organizations. You don't see that. You never do. You, you're never going to see that. You know, for example, but Chicago Bulls is not the only shitty organization. You know, it took the Charlotte Hornets so many years to actually start giving a damn to where they actually now are starting to give a damn. So, you know, let's not be saying that here. And and plus and plus two, here's how your organization is shit. You trade um for the for an all star center and you still don't even make the play in tournament and you're literally wasting Zach Levine's potential. So great job. So Bulls fans you deserve you deserve a thumbs up for being jackasses in in my book. 
Mikael Bridges, 5 of 10, 13 points, 3 of 7 from 3. Um, Jay Crowder, as much as everyone loves to just shit on Jay Crowder, because I, I know that's like the joke, you know, he was 3 of 9. Yes, he had 9 points, but Jay Crowder did everything defensively that you wanted him to do. He stopped Morris, and, you know, he, he kept Kyle Kuzma from not having a good game at all, and he was able to stop other guys. So, so you know, as much and, – and, and, then, and then here's what's going to be funny. Someone's going to say to me, well – you tell me that Jay Crowder was three of nine and you're trying to convince me this here. True. But here's why I don't try to convince people of a lot of this stuff because no one's going to actually sit down and watch NBA highlights of Kyle Kuzma doing um, defensive stops and um, second chance points. And they're not going to stop to see if he's grabbing, you know, extra boards and trying to go for the hustle plays because I can say the same thing about Jay Crowder and no one's not going to pay attention to me. So that's why if you think that, Sure, if you're going to actually go back, watch, okay, fine. But most of the time, no one's not going to give a shit. It's just going to be a joke on Twitter because NBA Twitter is a joke. It really is. They don't They don't even Google shit. They're, we have a spottrack.com where you can literally search up shit. No one won't do that. You have nba.com backslash stats. No one doesn't search up that shit. They just go off what they see like they're live. I saw someone literally say CJ McComb was literally going to be the new manager of Popeyes once this season once the season's over because McCollum plays like shit. Okay. Cool. And DeAndre Ayton. You know, DeAndre Ayton didn't really get a lot of shots off in this game. He was just two of three and he was four of six at the line. But man, DeAndre Ayton, eight point seven rebounds. To me, everything I like about Phoenix is that they all play conservative efforts. They they know Who's going to get the touches? They're not complaining about touches. They're playing good defense. The entire team is playing really good defense. And you can play really – and and it shows. I mean, you hold the Lakers team under 35%. I mean, you as a team yourself can shoot over 46%. I mean, they have 14 of 42 from three, and they're shooting – you know, that's one thing that Phoenix has not done. They've not been able to be great three-point shooters. But, man, they're, they're proving it wrong. You know, 29 to 14 on the assist. You know, that's something incredible right there. You know, they're they're really playing really good basketball, and I don't think Phoenix is going to get the credit. You know, I was more worried about Phoenix coming into the series as far as what's the bench going to do. Because I wasn't worried about Booker, and I wasn't worried about Aiden, and I wasn't worried about Chris Paul. I was more worried about the bench. And Cameron Payne has proved me wrong about that. So is Cameron Johnson with the 11 points that he had off the bench as well. Points in the paint was 44-32 um, Suns. Second chance points, 11 to 10. Suns, fast break points, 11 11 was a tie. And Phoenix was up by 36 at one point. And that that was that's it for all the games right now. Of course, we've got four games on tonight's header. All four games. Um, the first one is going to be the Wizards, Sixers. Sixers need to go ahead and try and pull and go ahead and win this. It, the... Betting lines got the Sixers at six and a half. I say go ahead and take the Sixers at six and a half. The Sixers are definitely going to be the Wizards tonight. Um, will Russell Westbrook have a triple double? Mm, no, I don't see that. Um, we got the Knicks Wizards. Um, Knicks lose this game; they're out of the playoffs. I I still see the Knicks covering this, and I see the Knicks winning this game. Go ahead and buy into this game now if you want, because it's at minus one and a half betting line. And I could, and you really could see the Knicks going ahead and just beating the Hawks. And I'm pretty sure the Knicks are going to because Julius Randle, even if he doesn't have a big game, I know Derrick Rose is going to have a big game because Derrick Rose has really been coming through for New York these last couple of games. And, you know, if they can stop Trey Young and they can hold these other guys of like Gallinari and Hunter and make sure Clint Capella doesn't – and because you know they're going to go after Clint Capella for these comments. You know they're going to. You know, it, it, it's going to, you know, because they're going to make sure Clint Capella has a bad game. The Knicks should definitely win this game, though. Knicks should definitely win. Um, I said the Knicks definitely win by two. Um, Grizzlies, Jazz. I say the Grizzlies cover this nine and a half. And, you know, I've been wrong about, you know, the ATS point spread the last two games for Memphis, but I'm so impressed with Memphis that it's just like, it's like, for example, you can lose money on them and you don't feel like hate because Memphis is really playing great basketball. They really are. They just don't have the experience and they just don't have the defense. 
But Memphis, you know, with Taylor Jenkins as the head coach, with John Morant, Brooks, Jackson, this team is going up. And even if the Grizzlies lose this game tonight, it's definitely something that should definitely be talked about because they really they really did not get the credit that they deserved. They really did not get the credit, the Grizzlies. And I really wish the Grizzlies did get more credit um, as a team because, you know, everybody's just going to say, well, they're down 3-1. You know, they, they got one game because Donovan Mitchell wasn't playing. It's still, it's still one game. And, again, the Jazz, you know, the Jazz might have a bad night shooting. Remember, game one, they did not shoot the ball well from three. And Donovan Mitchell did not shoot the ball well from three in the last game, in game four. And if Mike Conley doesn't hit those two big clutch threes, or or Memphis has Utah really struggling on the ropes in the fourth quarter, Memphis can definitely um, win this game. So it's still an upset, but I'm just going to say the nine-and-a-half point spread, though. And in our game, it's the game five game. It's the Mavericks-Clippers it's what NBA Twitter is probably just going to be talking about the most tonight because if Luka and the Mavericks win, we're going to be hearing how Tyron Lue is a shitty head coach. We're going to get the photos of Drake's kid in his drawing saying this is what Tyron Lue coaches um, plays look like. And we're going to you know, be talking about what's next for Kawhi and PG-13 and then the Clippers season ends. Are they going to get traded? Are they going to, you know, want to trade? You know, that's nice. Um, but if the Clippers win tonight, then we're going to be talking about how Rick Carlisle blew a 2 nothing lead. To me, I, I it's going to be the Mavericks plus 7.5 in the ATS. But I don't know who's actually going to win this game tonight because it's so tough. Because every game has been close except the game 4-1 where the Clippers just outright beat Dallas. But that was because Luka was injured. But the first three games are really close. And everyone is just talking about, well, Luka, you know, has done all this stuff. That's true, but the Mavericks don't have decent wing defenders to stop Kawhi or PG, which is why the games have always been close. But no one has not noticed that because Patrick Beverly in the first two games couldn't guard Luka. And Reggie Jackson, you know, has done better offensively, but he's not stopped Luka. And I don't count game four as a game where he stopped Luka because Luka's neck stopped him. So... But I say Mavericks cover the seven and a half. Um, but yeah, but I definitely don't see that. I don't see a reason why that, you know, as much as everybody wants to talk about it, I just don't, for some reason, I just don't see like the Clippers in general. Everyone's going to talk about how the Clippers, you know, if the Clippers lose tonight, they lose. But, you know, I don't think that a lot of this can be, you know, I'm trying to th- trying to come up with the right words, but Kawhi and PG-13 have really PG-13 has really been playing great. Play uh, playoff P, Paul George, whatever you want to call him. Paul George has really been playing really good in this series. He's just not getting the credit because they haven't been able to win those games. And for Dallas, what's going to be the big secret for them tonight to win? Chris Stapps Porzingis is going to need to be getting more rebounds, and he's definitely going to have to be more aggressive as an offensive glassmaker and get to the basket. And for Tim Hardaway Jr., he's going to have to play way better, way, way better than what he's been playing the last two games. Luka Doncic has 44. It's That's just going to probably be the way it is because Tyron Lue has basically made it clear. I'm not going to stop Luka. I'm just going to stop everybody else around him. And that did work those two games. That did. Um, and, and, I, and I pretty much said that's what Tyron Lue was going to do. For the Mavericks, what are they going to have to do to stop the Clippers? Um, just pray to God that Kawhi and Paul George have bad games shooting because they don't have the defenders to stop that and probably hope that, you know, you know, Luca, you know, doesn't get hurt or anything like that for the Clippers, you know, they're not going to stop Luca and the Clippers, you know, if Kawhi and Paul George have those good nights and Reggie Jackson's coming through and he's shooting good, that could definitely be something, but I still got the Mavericks taking that seven and a half, but that's all for the keeping it 200 episode. We're done with episode 15, episode 14. We talked about the WWE releases and stuff. Next episode, we're going to be going into Monday night raw and NXT. I don't know when that will be. 
but probably won't be. I probably will get into the NBA again um, before I get into that WWE show because because I technically don't have to finish my WWE reviews on these shows till Friday when AEW and SmackDown come on. Because reviewing four wrestling shows is going to be really hard. Um, and shout out to the you know Carolina Hurricanes. I want to give my Carolina team credit. You know they're down two nothing to Tampa Bay, and they've been playing the hell out of these two games in the second round, and they've not been able to get any, like, shots to go into the goal net. So hopefully me shouting out the Carolina Hurricanes will actually bring them some life and they can win game three because I don't want the Hurricanes to get eliminated from the postseason. And shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights because I am a fan of the Golden Knights. I'm just disgusted with how the Golden Knights played last game. They gave up seven goals in Colorado. Hopefully the Golden Knights, like, give up, like, three or four and they win by like four or like, or they win like four, three or something like that. Or like five, four, because man, the golden Knights played like crap uh, on Sunday. So my two NHL teams are not doing great. I'm very upset by that. Very, very upset, but that's all for keeping it 200. This was episode 15. Make sure to check out all previous episodes on Spotify. Yes. I know I have two channels, I'm going to keep both channels up because, you know, one channel's got the first nine episodes you can check out, and the other's got my brand new episodes, so you can check out both them. Let me know how bad my takes are. Let me know how bad I am as a host. Let me know how great I am in both categories. Or just let me know how my award show was in episode five because I'm still getting a lot of hate for that. I'm still getting a lot of hate. I, I, I literally had someone the other day literally say I don't know basketball because I didn't put Giannis in there and I didn't put Rudy Gobert in there. I could give them credit about the Giannis one, but I'm not giving them credit about the Rudy Gobert one. Um, Whoever sent me that, go fuck yourself. But that's all for keeping it 200. Episode 15. Check you guys out next time. Peace.